Welcome back to Callum and David's Any Requests podcast. This is, of course, our weekly podcast where if you are a Patreon donator, you can donate £5 a month and get us to do a podcast on absolutely anything you want. That is entirely correct. And this week we have a rather interesting uh, Patreon request from your sister. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, we mentioned it briefly on the Arrival episode last week that uh, she has asked us uh, this week to talk about the sort of marriage of acting and politics, I guess, specifically looking at how important the skill of acting is in uh, being president of the United States. Yeah, really interesting Mm. uh, request and also quite difficult to kind of structure in the sense that it's not a particular thing that we're reviewing or analysing, it's just a concept um, that uh, Lara wanted us to have a bit of a chat about. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I was on the phone to her the other day and she kind of said like what she'd quite like is just to sort of have a ch- uh, us to have a chat with a beer as you would in a pub and just kind mm-hmm. of talk about the topic um so i'm currently drinking uh brewdog clockwork tangerine session ipa and i thought about breaking my uh two and a half year sobriety but instead i've gone for <laughs> the wonderful infinite session ipa uh alcohol free uh india pale ale in- infinite session really nice little brand worth checking out selfish you are you? i mean i am selfish i should five, have broken it five pounds what the patreon yeah yeah is my sobriety worth five pounds probably Uh, seven pounds fifty maybe maybe yeah um up it to seven quid i'll drink a bottle of grappa (laughs) um so yeah as as, uh long-term listeners of of uh, any requests and uh, particularly out of the greek podcast know even with structured things we are prone to tangents so when we have no particular structure um i would say you can probably expect about 50 percent are of this podcast to be about the topic and 50% probably about like Bacardi Breezers and Pat Sharp's Funhouse or something. Yeah, I've got a lot to say about Pat Sharp's Funhouse actually. <laughs> uh, we're one minute in and we haven't actually tackled the topic. So, yes. what do you think of when you think of, uh, the when asked about the, the role of acting mm. uh, and, and leadership, um, particularly the yeah. United States presidency, what do you immediately think of or who do you immediately think of? Weirdly enough, I actually think of uh, a guy called Charlie that was in the year above me at secondary school. <laughs> what? How? How? He can't call attention already. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, it, it, it makes sense. Um, uh, so he um, went off. Uh, and actually, my, my, my sister who's requested this episode was actually the uh, school librarian at my secondary school. Um, right. Was, uh, there's an 18 year age difference between us um and she'll know exactly who i'm talking about um 
And he went off and did the the famous uh, PPE at Oxford, uh, which is yes, what all yeah. the kind of future Politics, prime ministers... Politics, philosophy, and ethics. Uh, or economics. Oh, econ- uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, which is famously what most uh, prime ministers, have, yeah. former prime ministers, have, uh, did and things like that. And so will probably at some point um uh, be a big name um in politics although he's actually really gone down the humanitarian route because he's a really right on lefty which is yeah. great coming from a posh private school in bath but yeah. um uh he um i remember going um when i was in year 11 and he was in uh, uh sixth form um going to watch the sixth form do debates because they would mm-hmm. get to do debates as sixth form and it was like an extracurricular thing and uh, being kind of mesmerised by his debating skills. And then about a month or two after, I was cast in King Lear with him as a school play. Um, and he played Edgar. and uh, Slash poor Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, mesmerised by his acting. And I think that was the first time in my life, at kind of the age of about 14, 15, that I realised how strong the connection between acting and politics is and, and, and how much of being a successful politician is down to oratory skills, which which really have their basis in theatre. I, th- I think that's that's really fascinating. I love that, actually. Um, I, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Mm. Taking the politics out of it for a second, what do you think the crux of acting is? I mean, I know we're not on the actor's studio, yeah. although James Lipton has a lot to say about this subject. Um, what do you think the crux of, of, of an engaging performance is? Okay, yeah. Because I think those are two slightly different questions. Slightly different questions, yeah. yeah because I, think... I would say, uh, in the context of the world of theatre, I would say that acting is serving the text. Yeah. But if you were to take the skill of acting in a vacuum, yeah, uh, I would say it's telling the truth. It's telling the truth. Yeah. Or finding a truth. Yeah. Or well, well, actually, it's it's kind of more specific than that, isn't it? It's 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 portraying fiction in a way that is truthful it is it is lying in a convincing manner which yeah. <laughs> is some might say pretty important in politics i was right? gonna say that because i yeah. i think most people i've ever spoken to about acting um and by the way if you know an actor don't talk to them about acting this is gonna go you can be stuck there for ages um <laughs> but uh, this idea of the truth comes back all mm-hmm. the time and it's something that um, Joan Littlewood who we were talking about yeah. the other day you know spoke to all the time where's the truth where's the truth in what you're doing but it's, it's a contradiction isn't it because yeah. I, I, I always 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 think when I think about acting of uh, one of my absolute favourite favourite ever quotes about acting which is from David Mamet which mm-hmm. is drama is two or more people on stage at least one of whom is lying yeah and and I think that it, that kind of boils down what 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 theatre is or film or TV. You know, good drama, good fictional drama, it, because it's with lies come subtext, come um, uh, a, a reason to extract the truth out of what those lies are. Like it, it creates drama and tension, right? And um, uh, but equally, so much of human nature, so much of life uh, as a human is in some way or other wrapped in lies we tell ourselves lies we tell other people like you know it, it's very hard probably impossible to find someone that has been wholly 100 percent truthful in their whole life whether that's a lie to spare someone's feelings whether that's something more yeah. duplicitous but you know it, it, 
And as a writer as well, I always feel that I'm, I, and I've worked with some, you know, really talented uh, actors, some of which have been method actors, who can give incredibly, really engaging performances. But the search for the truth mm -hmm. sometimes gets in way of performance because they'll come to me as a writer and say, you know, well, what did you mean by this line? I'm like, I don't know, you're the actor, yeah. like you tell me. And I'll go, yeah, but what did you? What do you think the the character knows and doesn't know, and and what's the truth of it? And I'm mm -hmm. like, the character knows as much as they are saying at the time, right? Yeah. Because in life, as human beings, as arrogant as I can be sometimes, I know that ninety percent of the time, I'm just trying to understand myself as best I can. Yeah. I don't know the actual truth of all my motivations all the time. I don't often know, you know, why I've done or said something sometimes until three months later, and I go, yeah. oh, that's why I said that because I was in that place. So it's not really important as an actor necessarily to know the absolute truth of what a character is going through because people don't, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I, ambiguity, I think, actually uh, is, is what's created by that dishonesty. Sometimes it's not because a character is lying yeah. to another character so much as a character is lying to themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think uh, actually the first kind of uh, piece of fiction I want to mention uh, whilst we're discussing this is... One of my favourite films ever, I know it's one of your favourite films too, is Wag the Dog. Excellent, excellent film. Um, which, for those of you who don't know, very briefly, it is a film, uh, a very, people loosely say based. it's loosely based on the Bill Clinton Lewinsky scandal and what happened with Bosnia coming out of that. Yeah. Um, uh, or potentially Granada. There are differing conflicts that happened around that time that, that um, very conveniently drew attention away from the scandal. So in this film, in Wag the Dog, there is a president running for re-election and during the re-election bid, it, uh, a sex scandal comes out. So yeah. they invent a fictional war with Albania. Yeah. And the war is actually produced by a film producer played by Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Um, and it's him and it's, it's De Niro as a political spin doctor. And together mm -hmm. they essentially create this fictional narrative war. And I think that is a brilliant film in terms of how much theatre is involved in politics, how much fictional drama is involved in politics. And, and yeah. even this year, um, and, and caveat this with, I, I, I absolutely am not a conspiracy theorist or, you know, I, uh, when, when we talk about COVID and all that stuff, I absolutely believe it's real, but I think there's an interesting parallel with when the Captain Tom Moore stuff happened, mm -hmm. if you were to look at this year through a creative writing lens, through an Aristotelian drama lens, yeah. the point that Tom Moore came to prominence is exactly the point in a a story where you would start the hero's journey and yes. you would need a hero. And he felt like a hero for the time that we were living in. And it reminded me of that bit in Wag the Dog where they go, we need a hero for this war. And they find Woody, Woody Harrelson, Harrelson and it all ends up going wrong because actually they think he's this this army uh, veteran, which he is, but it turns out that he was actually in a federal prison and he was actually he's a psychopath. A murderous psychopath, yeah. Yeah, um, so it all got, and then, but, but it's too late. But they've already made him a hero. They've already made him a hero. So... Uh, obviously not saying that Tom Moore's a psychopath. Tom Moore's an amazing achievement is incredible and shouldn't um, uh, be belittled in any way. But it's just interesting that that even in real life, even even real situations, you can find these narrative structures that are there in fiction, which makes it so much easier with cases like what what Wag the Dog are trying to portray mm -hmm. to create a fictional world and to use 
things like acting within politics. Absolutely, and I think that we we have these characters that come up and are created by um, media machines, you know, from from positions of power as high up as the British cabinet or the US uh, cabinet that are used in order to to manipulate um, the feeling of the people. And um, I think actually the Bosnian War is, is a very good example of how that's done, whether or not you've seen Wag the Dog or not. Most people mm-hmm. would agree the way in which the Bosnian War was handled uh, was kind of needlessly... Um, uh, had horrendous uh, impacts and effects on on citizens in Bosnia, um, and is that is very not really talked about. Um, you know, who were the terrorists? Well, just because you've got the American flag on, you doesn't mean you're yeah. not capable of committing atrocious acts. Yeah. Um, um, incidentally, Joe Biden, absolute ardent supporter of military intervention in Bosnia, so just yeah. just before we all go massively celebratory about yeah. this guy. I mean, uh, be be relieved that Trump's yeah. on his way out, yeah. but also don't. Don't uh, put all your eggs in Biden's basket, yeah. as it were. Yes. Um, yeah. So, okay. So we have this idea that in theatre and storytelling, you need uh, the idea of a uh, a truth and conflict, right? Mm-hmm. And you also have this idea in drama in general that you need a hero. But in politics, if you were trying to take the theatre out of leadership, yeah. what do you think that you want in a leader? What are your... What are the qualities that you want in a leader or do you think the public want? Well, Two questions, really, then. Well, I think the um, the famous line that I think is mentioned in, in some of the reading you and I have done uh, uh, for this podcast and also I think uh, uh, is is uh, kind of uh, given a, a, a doff of the cap to in uh, Hamilton um, mm-hmm. is uh, the idea, which they always say in American politics, is... You want to go for a beer with him yeah. or her, you know. Well, um, it's not her, is it? It's him. Well, it's yeah, him. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the so, type of person you could have a beer yeah. with. George Bush campaigned heavily on that. It yeah. was constantly people said, "Oh, I love George Bush. Some guy you could go yeah. and have a beer with." And of course, uh, Ronald Reagan. Yes. Um, yeah. Who probably started, I think, that relationship. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I mean, yeah, Ronald. In mod- maybe Ronald in modern Reagan, times. Ronald Reagan is is the absolute most obvious example that we need to talk about with this podcast because he was literally an actor that became the president of the United States. So yeah. so it's all kind of le- sort of lesser circles of, of intertwining worlds uh, beyond him. He he's the epitome of that combination of, of acting and theatre yeah. because he's the only uh, the only president of the United States that, that that has that background. You know, I mean. Trump, you could probably put second because of his reality TV background, although he's not an actor himself. There is so much uh, artifice in mm-hmm. reality television, especially in America, especially the kind of reality shows that Mark Bennett produced, like The um, Apprentice. But he also did things like uh, Survivor and things like that in America. Yeah. So, there, I mean, Mark Bennett really kind of started, even before in this country, Towie and Made in Chelsea and all that stuff, he scripted started reality. scripted reality yeah. really with things like Survivor and The Apprentice, very heavily edited, very um, uh, set up, and, you know, you'd, you'd re-rehearse and re-record things. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I remember um, talking about scripted reality quite heavily with my dad, because my dad's an actor, as you know, and, and uh, he battled with equity quite often. Um, he was a, a union rep with equity, which is an actor's union. Um, and he had an issue with the fact that there was a there was a, a reason why you could or couldn't get a, a card an equity card um and if you could prove like you were doing a documentary or an interview with someone then you didn't have to employ an actor you could employ anyone mm-hmm. but if you were to direct that individual 
and or asked them to say a line in a certain way or asked them to say a particular word, that person automatically became an actor and then couldn't be continuing the work unless they had an equity card, right? This was a safeguard. When scripted reality came in, it put the final nail in the coffin of that mm. because it said, oh no, we want to redirect stuff. So if you're watching TOWIE or you're watching Made in Chelsea or, you know, The Bachelor, um, just know that everything you're seeing, like a high percentage of it has been reshot yeah. conversations that might have taken place have now been taken away by writers scripted and these people are re they're acting they're acting yeah they're literally doing the job of an actor well well well, well, well i uh, um a uh, f- uh, friend of mine um worked a few years in a row a few summers in a row as a um uh, production assistant on the x factor and she was telling me once that um kind of how the the vts kind of work the backstage vts and it was the People remember this, we're probably going back maybe seven, eight years ago. There was a series and there was a guy called Chris Maloney on it, who was quite a camp middle-aged guy. And he became this really like hated figure because people thought he was, came across really arrogant, really entitled Mm. and things like that. And she was explaining, she worked on that one. And she said, that's been completely manufactured by the production team, by Psycho and by the the producers of The X Factor, because they would just re-interview and re-interview and, and, and it would start that he'd say something that he was maybe mildly like, oh, you know, I wasn't quite sure about this kind of behaviour of this other contestant. Or, and they were like, oh, tell us more about that. And then he'd, and then they'd go, mm, oh, and then pinpoint something where he was maybe a little bit angry and went, oh, let's home in on... And uh, got him to a point of that he ended up being more angry than he probably really was have, yeah. because they pushed him and pushed him. And then the only edit that the public see is that is that eighth, ninth take where mm-hmm. they have pushed him to be that... and. And, and you see that so much in scripted reality. So when you talk about someone like Trump, he's absolutely got that that history, even though he's not an actor himself. He <clears throat> he has had years of kind of performance um, experience. And, and I think that this is important because what we're talking about is the acting world, which is, you know, understood that it's fictional and that drama and, you know, it, it's performance. And then you have politics, which is all about, you know, meant to be dealing with the real day-to-day current affairs lives you know yeah financial physical medical health-wise literal lives of people um that we entrust these people with our power through democratic systems so you have something that should be very much based on reality something that should be very much based in fiction but now because of the way that tv and entertainment is taking reality and fictionalizing it and blurring those lines yeah i think we now live in a world um, where the the lines between fiction and reality are, are more blurred than ever before, and mm. to an electorate that is incredibly make you know makes an electorate incredibly ripe for uh, the type of president that we've you know had of late with with Donald Trump. Well, absolutely, and and you know Trumpism has resulted in something in a lot of things that are quite dangerous, but there's something in particular that I think is really worrying. And that is this idea that you kind of touching upon there, this loss of objectivity. Yeah. That that opinion and fact are becoming more and more interchangeable. And that's really scary. And, Mm. you know, we're getting into this anti-expert age, this anti-education age. And, you know, Joe blogs on Twitter that says that, you know, the COVID vaccine causes you to turn into a fish or whatever mm-hmm. has the same that the, 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 you should take the same weight of what he says as you would chris witty and you go well that's 
it's, it's fundamentally not wrong and really dangerous. I'm mm-hmm. not not right and really dangerous. Yeah. You know. Um, and 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 that I do think is is a result of having. Oh, I'm I'm kind of loath to say non-experienced politicians because I think there's so much corruption in sort of establishment politics, especially in America, as well. That I'm not really sure what the right answer is, but you kind of do need to have that political experience and to be in it because you want to help people. You want to do what any good ethically minded politician wants to do, not want to be in it to be famous or to, to raise your profile. Let's not forget the only reason why Donald Trump ran was as a negotiation with NBC because they were lowballing him on fees because um, Gwen Stefani, Gwen Stefani on the voice America was getting paid more money as and, a judge yeah, than, than he, he was and he went well yeah and he he tried to call their bluff and they called his yeah because he went well i want x amount for him to come up to apprentice and they went well no we'll just get someone else to be the the, the boss and so his sons said why yeah. don't you go and do a a, a presidential campaign you haven't yeah. done that for a while um it will raise your profile and then you'll be worth more money so he does the first one yeah the and... famous down the golden elevator yeah and then says uh, a whole load of stuff about Mexican people. Yeah. Which we know and don't really need to repeat. But um, because of that, um, his popularity does go through the roof, but also the network can't touch him no, because yeah. he's played into, yeah. you know, uh, well, he's just, you know, racist. Um, and so because of that, he screwed himself over. So he said, what yeah. do I do now? And his son said, well, may as well just carry on with the campaign for a bit, see what happens. But never any intention, even at that point, to yeah. actually be president. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you talk about Donald Trump and you talk about Reagan and you talk about the reason why there are so many similarities with Reagan and Trump, it all links back to one man and that's Roger Stone. Roger effing Stone. And I think there is something in that. I think Roger Stone needed a performer that didn't know politics. Yeah. So he could politic them. Yeah. And the country. And 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 puppet master these people, whether that's an actor, whether that's a real failed businessman turned reality TV star, they have the oratory uh, talent um, because you know whatever you want to say about Trump, he does have an understanding of humor. He is mm-hmm. a very funny guy uh, uh, to his base because he understands how to structure comedy weirdly um but when you look you know i was watching um uh uh seth myers uh, uh, seth myers with chris hayes who's uh an msnbc anchor um who who i really like i really recommend uh checking his stuff out because he's one of the few uh kind of mainstream news anchors that doesn't really care and actually kind of holds them to account a lot um and they were both talking about like trump should just go off and like open up a a go go to mar-a-lago and just do stand-up sets because that's what (laughs) he seems to really get a kick out of and he does understand comedy so and and he's someone that that you, you you can't deny has created a base and a following that is that is huge i mean yes joe biden won convincingly but let's also remember that the second most votes for a presidential election went to donald trump in this election as yes well. so this is a guy you cannot deny his popularity he knows how to whip a crowd up ronald reagan 
knew how to rip a crowd up by the way make america great again comes from the ronald reagan campaign i was gonna say so let's maybe think about this from roger stone Mm-hmm. There was a wonderful documentary, if you haven't seen it, called Get Me Roger Stone mm-hmm. on Netflix. I've watched it maybe three times now, yeah. and I, I will watch it again. It, it, it's fascinating. It tells you more about American politics than any of my studies yeah. ever did. Um, Roger Stone is uh, a young kid at school, and there's a mock election at school. And the election between Kennedy, JFK, and Nixon. Mm-hmm. And there is kind 1960. of... 1960. Yes, yeah. So... We're, Nixon is is not a very popular president, right? He um he's he's waning in in uh, the polls, and at school, Roger Stone goes around and says to everyone in his school that if you vote for JFK, um, then he's going to make you have school on Saturdays. Now this is not true, yeah. right? And also, none of these votes count because it's yeah, a mock election it's, yeah. because they're under the age. But that lie goes around so quickly that the mock election in this very democrat state school uh vote for um Nixon. Nixon. yeah and he says in his own words this is the moment roger stone says uh he understood what disinformation was and the power of disinformation roger stone takes this power of disinformation and makes it his whole career yeah. uh very openly he discusses the fact that he doesn't really care about any party politics he's not a man of morals no. um he's a libertarian at heart yeah. But he enjoys uh, playing with disinformation and controlling the electorate. And he's always been very open about that. He doesn't really come into kind of power as a force within politics, really, though, um, until through working with the Nixon uh, campaign second time round. Yeah, he's 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 there in the background when the Watergate stuff happens. But but not enough to get his hands dirty. Yeah. But Reagan is absolutely someone he gets his hands on. And this turns Roger Stone from being a young, blonde, kind of uh, Oscar Wilde figure. He's kind of known as being quite flamboyant and charming and um, and witty um, to the kingmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does it with Ronald Reagan, giving Reagan the phrase, make America great again. Yeah. So why does a man who doesn't have any particular moral compass or or interest in party politics uh decide to go for this republican figure why does he do that um mm. i i i i'm interested as to what your thoughts are on that i also just want to kind of caveat slightly with one of the reasons why jfk won that election uh wasn't for any kind of other reason other than the fact that I mean, people might contest this, but it's largely uh, attributed to the fact that Kennedy and Nixon were doing their first head-to-head interviews on television. Yeah. A lot of people credit this, um, you know, election going to to JFK because of Nixon's sweaty top of a lip, right? Mm-hmm. It's the fact that Nixon was king of the radio, but JFK looked better. He looked the part. He looked yeah. something new. He looked something fresh. Um, and obviously... Um, Jackie Kennedy, Jackie Anassis was hugely popular as well. So yeah. the fact that they made a public showing as a couple was an interesting uh, move for politics as well. Um, so Roger Stone seeing this happen in real time. Yeah. So when it comes to Reagan, he has the knowledge of not just politics and disinformation on yeah. the level that he did in the 60s, but now he's talking about it in TV time. There's a great um, line from another excellent American political movie, one of maybe my favourite American political movie of all time, which is The American President, which is the wonderful Aaron Sorkin, 
um, precursor, of, of course, to the West Wing. Testing the water of the, what would become the West Wing, really, with with Michael Douglas and Annette Bening. I mean, at its heart, it's a rom-com. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. But it, there, there is a lot of politics in that, and there is a great line um, that says, you know, FDR, do you really think FDR would have become president if they'd had television back then? Yeah. Uh, widely used television, uh, you know, a television in every home, which obviously they didn't because FDR famously hid the fact that he was in, he needed a wheelchair, he couldn't walk. Yeah. And so they did very staged shots in photography and things like that, and he managed to keep that secret through the body Bodybuilder his... uh, minders who he used to lean on. Yeah. And, and even yeah. a great story about the, um, the de- what's the name of the desk, the FDR desk? It's um, named after the uh, uh, ship. Um, yeah, uh, not uh, the Mayflower, but one of yeah, those. Yeah, um, Trump did a tweet about it the other day. Called it beautiful. I'll be signing this on the beautiful um, something desk. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll come to I'll us. Come to me, yeah. But um, that desk uh, carved out of the wood of ships that pilgrims uh, took to America. Resolute desk. The resolute desk. There you are. Um, famously antique, not touched for hundreds of years. Sits in the Oval Office. Every single president in the history of America has sat behind that desk. Until they carved it up for FDR so that he yeah. could fit his wheelchair underneath it. Yeah. So even people in the Oval Office who would come to have meetings with FDR did, weren't always aware yeah. that he was in a wheelchair because yeah. it was concealed by the desk, which is still that way yeah. today. And so this is a really interesting thing because this is really when you start to see the growth and importance of, of PR um, and and the media driving the narrative of, of a president. But it's also an interesting point of maybe i think as a bleeding heart liberal lefty fdr may be the greatest president they ever had in terms of the sort of socialist policies he enacted post-war for sure new um, deal yeah. yeah um uh and this is a man that you know in that line in the american president is positing the idea that he would never have actually got in purely for the fact that he would have been seen as disabled and and therefore and all the things that go with that a weak yeah. a burden yeah all yeah. Of that kind of stuff um, which is which is yeah really really interesting um, when we go through uh, the kind of line of presidents and what a president is expected to be. So first of all, young and inexperienced shouldn't be a thing in that you can't be a president unless you're thirty three, I believe, or older. Um, thirty five, I think. Is it thirty five? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of people going. Why? Why don't the Democrats put AOC on the yeah. uh, on on the ticket? And we're like, could <laughs> because she can't because yeah. she's not old enough. I mean, that's also that's not. Even if she was that, <laughs> yeah, the the democratic establishment would never have it. But yeah, I think you're right. But um, but yeah, th- there's this there's this limit. So it's got to be someone who's had a bit of experience, a bit of time, um, so that you can legally even run for the presidency. But also, I think at male, obviously, in a very sexist society, yeah, uh, women have always been painted as irrational, uh, not can't trust their own minds or bodies. Therefore, you need a man with a steady rationale in order to have the power over the codes, for example. Yeah, um, I just want to go back to uh, and and pick up the question that you kind of asked a few minutes ago, which was why would Roger Stone choose specifically Republicans? And mm. I think that's a really interesting thing to discuss in terms of this idea of of when we look at presidents that have utilised acting, theatre, misinformation, all that kind of stuff, tend to be Republicans. And, and as much of socialist Marxists that you and I are, you know, it's we're not naive enough to say, oh, it's because Republicans are right-wing and right-wing's bad and all left-wing's good, and it's it's not as binary as that. Um, I actually think it is more to do with the fact that in America, 
I would say that the Republican Party, weirdly, are more of an anti-establishment party than the Democrats are. Because yeah. at their fundamental core, the Republicans are about uh, states' rights. So small government. Dis- small government and, and no taxation, basically. But mm. um, that's the... So, so they're quite radical and, and anti-government. And therefore, the, I believe, Republican supporters are more susceptible to rhetoric mm-hmm. than Democratic supporters are because Democratic supporters tend to understand establishment politics more. And I'm not saying that Republicans are stupid. I'm just saying that because the Republican Party has always positioned itself as, as, as almost anti-political... Why would you then run ways, a campaign using political yeah. linguistic, you know, uh, I language? Mean, I'm also... Aware, like, we're talking about kind of Nixon-Reagan Republican to present because that's a very different Republican Party than certainly Abraham Lincoln's Republican Party, which was actually kind of the left-wing party in the country at the time. And yep. there's lots to talk about there in American politics about how those shifted, but also even different to Dwight Eisenhower's Republican Party in yeah. the early 20th century. So the Republican Party has shifted a lot. I always think of Eisenhower as a fairly left-wing figure, actually. Yeah. And also interesting that JFK really, really struggled with this, right? Because he came from a very kind of educated, well-to-do lineage you know of yeah. lawyers um the kennedys are massachusetts like they, that's, they are yeah. yeah it's the royal family of, yeah. of uh, the north of, you know uh, really yeah. but um couldn't connect as a result so tied up in language so tied up in in uh you know deep political ideology that couldn't connect with the southern base which is why he went for uh lbj as his running mate because yeah. lg bay L- 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 uh bj really didn't connect with uh, Kennedy on a lot of issues. No. Certainly not human rights issues early on and, no. and, and had a, a lot of issues with that. He's a very traditional Southern man yeah. who spoke the language of uh, the Southern states and the yeah. Republican parties and I think swung a huge amount in Kennedy's favour as well. So that's worth bearing in mind when we think about Roger Stone yeah. watching that play out mm-hmm. uh, as he comes in to take over, uh, you know, uh, when Reagan comes in. But I, I also actually do just want to say because a lot of uh, people uh, on the left do kind of write off LBJ because he was a Southern Democrat and also because he really, really screwed up a lot in Vietnam. But he was also probably second after Lincoln, the most important president in terms of the African-American experience in the civil rights movement. Yeah, I think he um, changed a lot. Yeah. And by the time he was in power, he felt... Interesting. Um, the uh, the, the uh, LBJ film starring um, uh, all the way, all the way. Yeah, uh, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. Yeah, speaks quite a lot to his vulgarity, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he famously took meetings whilst on the toilet and got his penis out on a regular basis yeah. in the Oval Office. And you know this guy was obviously not from that Kennedy well package. Yeah. You know, but but he did seem to go from being openly racist to hell-bent on pushing through Kennedy's civil rights uh, yeah. bills. Yeah. Um, and massive credit to him for choosing to fight that hard fight yeah. uh, along with the hard work of many amazing African-American campaigners, of course, that Absolutely. actually made that happen. Absolutely. Um, uh, but yeah, there, there should be some credit there, yeah. I suppose. John Lewis uh, to name. Yeah, basically. <laughs> John, John Lewis. Yeah. 
the man. Um, yeah, so so you're right. You've got this way of which you're talking to different bases, right? Yeah. Uh, Southern Republican, ex-Confederate kind of states who, uh, yes, might be rooted in a lot of that um, history and um, not just past history, but con- context of racism and uh, civil rights issues. But also, uh, like you say, uh, we want small government. We want uh, individual laws for counties, let alone states. We want to be able to do what we want without too much federal interference, without too much tax. Um, so if you're trying to win back the White House yeah. uh, with a candidate and you want to win, you're probably going to go for someone who is interested in appealing to those Southern bases or Republican states, mm-hmm. Re- not just Southern, I'm being yeah. very blanket there, but Republican bases. Yeah. Um, and so with Reagan, what you have is someone who I don't think, because he's an actor, he has no history in politics. He is someone, I think a lot of people who don't like the language of politics would gravitate towards, right? You know, I, I, when I think of Reagan and when I think of Trump, I'm reminded of, uh, 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 Kevin Spacey, Kaiser Soze, yeah, um, Usual Suspects, yeah, uh, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. <laughs> the greatest trick that Reagan and Trump pulled was convincing Republican voters that they were working class heroes. You know, yeah, the, these are two multi-millionaires, billionaire in Trump's case. You yeah. know, but talking about anti-elitist rhetoric, yeah, um, which is completely performative i mean that is that is the definition of an act that yeah. is complete and utter lies told very convincingly which is what acting is right yeah. tell lies convincingly so you make people believe that they're true trump talking about earning money is a complete fallacy yeah he's uh he you know he, he famously would be richer now if he literally just put his inheritance yeah. in a low interest bank but like yeah. th- he's lost more yeah. money than he would have gained by doing nothing. But look, at, I mean, look at right now. Right now, seventy-seven percent of Republican Americans believe that the election was rigged. I mean, that is, that is insane. Terrifying. And and how many of that percentage, if Trump hadn't done this song and dance, if Trump hadn't created this theater, yeah, which it is, and I am dubious about how legitimate the kind of weird nonsensical clown show is yeah i don't i'm cynical and think that this is all orchestrated to get publicity because he knows he's lost so how do you dominate the news and how does he keep himself at the top of the news have giuliani do something weird have all these people like there is no rudy giuliani you know mayor of america the guy that led new york out of 9-11 yeah there is no way that guy looks at uh melissa carone the absolutely bonkers woman they put on the stand at the georgia hearings and says uh, that's a credible witness like you know and says that's a credible witness there they they have to know the total landscaping thing they have to know what this looks like so therefore they are deliberately they are deliberately making this stuff look like nonsense because trump knows he's not going to win this fight yeah. So if he's not going to win this fight, what can he fight for to be talked about and to be talked about negatively? But, you know, um, uh, the stuff came out about the, the UK election in December last year, where the fact that the Tories were deliberately putting out bad and misspelled Instagram adverts and Twitter adverts so that the left would share them and go, ha ha ha, 
aren't notoriously stupid for doing mm-hmm. this because it's still getting shared. It's clickbait. Yeah, and and yeah. and and there's something in that, and 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 this it's so theatrical. There's so much theatre now in in politics. Um, even if you you know on our local Facebook page, if you want to get on the local Facebook page, just yeah. spell something wrong. Um, and yeah. you get hundreds of comments mm. and it likes and interactions mm. and that's the way publicity and marketing works right now it's it's playing to the algorithm yeah yeah so uh, it, yeah you, i mean that we're we're not that i'm trying to go through it chronologically but i'm trying to think of a world before social media a world yeah. before that why did the idea of having an actual actor as president in reagan feel so so useful and there was a couple of things that that we both read that I thought were worth pulling out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I think it's no coincidence that you had two one-term presidents that were largely ineffectual, more unfortunately in the case of, of Jimmy Carter, who I actually think is my favourite president ever. I think he is a, just an amazing human being, although did a lot more after his presidency than the four years he was in office. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but Ford, uh, as well, neither of those presidents were particularly great or raters. They weren't particularly, no. uh, 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 kind of, uh, camera ready. They weren't, um, performers. They were people, especially in Gerald Ford's case was, was famous for kind of stumbling over. And there was a very famous thing of him falling down the stairs, coming out of Air Force One mm-hmm. and, and, and which a lot of people say actually was one of the biggest reasons why he wasn't re-elected. Mm-hmm. Um, reminds me of, um, oh, was it Kinnock that yeah. slipped over on the beach? And yeah. they say that destroyed him. It was uh, a right, right before the election. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he was a, a, a drinker. Was, uh, Kinnock, uh, yeah. I can't if it was the son or the mayor. I think it was the son. Uh, uh, well, the last person yeah. to leave Britain turned the lights off. And it was a picture of him slipping up on the beach. Like, wh- yeah. why does that have anything to do with his policies or, his, you know, um, and, but, and, and then, and then we go into things like, I, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around, but it's reminding me of the Corbyn wearing tweed suits and stupid stuff like that going, what, like, but this is what media has done, right? Yeah. And this is the way that we also do view people in the entertainment industry. We view them so much through an aesthetic lens. It, um, it's bizarre when you think that we would do that, but it seems to be something that we do democratically. It's very, very weird. Um, yeah. I mean, so, 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 so I think, yeah, uh, going back to my point that you have one one-term Republican president, one one-term Democratic president, neither of them really that, great at the media stuff um uh regardless of their policies Carter, i think was amazing ford actually was pretty good for a republican pretty moderate and also had to kind of be after the crap that nixon pulled so he yeah. kind of came in and had to do a lot of reforms because cleaning up had, the systems because also he was his vp so what yeah. do you do if you don't do that you kind of admit that you were complicit um correct yeah so there's a lot of stuff there i think about uh, certainly if you're a Roger Stone looking at this going on going, taking the temperature what what America needs is a figurehead is someone that they can hear and and believe in you know and that's exactly what uh what Reagan does i mean he's also someone who as a film star i don't know many people who know many reagan films well, that he was actually in no he was he was a sort of cowboy B movie kind of star, cowboy like, B movies, but also majoritively playing like 
MCs. Like, yeah. uh, you know, he, he was a host in a lot of films. He was the type yeah. of guy who would introduce the act at the party. So not always leading roles either. Um, no. But very good at playing an authority figure and a DJ who would take you through the evening. I'm your host. I'm going to guide you through. Or I'm going to come in on my horse and I'll sort things out. Yeah. And... That is really interesting because the campaign for Make America Great Again Mark 1 yeah. with Reagan was him on a horse and a cowboy hat. And everyone yeah. said, Reagan doesn't even do that. Like, yeah. he's not a cowboy. Yeah. He's an actor who played yeah. a cowboy a couple yeah. of times. Yeah. Um, but that's the image they go for, which obviously appeals to certainly the Southern base and a lot of yeah. Republican bases. You know, I'm a, I'm a good old boy that you can yeah. have a beer with. But also his oratory skills on top. It's not just the image and it's not something they just project, but it's his ability to speak publicly in a certain way and tell stories. Mm -hmm. So uh, a a lot of people kind of doing uh, uh, documentaries and studies on Reagan have been speaking about the fact that he had a great uh, ability for timing. Yeah. Something that you're talking about with Trump here, right? He has this ability to time things uh, really, really well. Now, I'm not talking about the timing of like when you release a statement, but I mean, in the moment, Reagan spent a huge amount of time rehearsing and practicing the cadence of his speeches, mm-hmm. still using radio somewhat at this point. Um, apparently, he used to have five minute radio slots and he would use these as great opportunities to speak mm-hmm. without being interrupted because on radio, you're not going to get interrupted so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he would record them in with a stopwatch yeah. to make sure that he was absolutely getting as much airtime as possible in um and where to breathe and where to not pause so that no one could interrupt him i mean the study that this actor took to his work as president is really really clear here um and that gets his message across but also what is reagan's message well yes you have reaganomics you have widely ignored i think um as uh, that one article puts it is complete ignoring of the aids crisis and you have the war on drugs yeah but in terms of who he is as a man, what he cares about, well, it's family values. It's old stuff, right? Even yeah. by the 80s, it's family values. It's, it, you know, heterosexuality. It's lack yeah. of, you know, uh, anti-choice, you know. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's, 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 it's railing against the, the left-wing progressiveness of the 60s and 70s. Right. right. Yeah. We're, we're going to um, clean up all these teenagers. Yeah. And and I think there's 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 an interesting thing of of seeing the rise of yuppieism on the horizon and being aware that that you know big cities, New York especially, although largely normally left wing liberal city, is 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 pumping out these ultra kind of neo fascist capitalists mm-hmm. coming out, and and that's starting to happen in in the business world, and people are uh, uh, looking more towards right-wing economic policy even if you might be a democratic voter so you're going okay let's yeah hone in on that a friend of mine um uh recently was he's uh, a lot older than me was uh telling me about some time he spent in new york he used to be a doorman at cbgb's and he's one of these guys who's got an amazing kind of mm. backstory but he says uh one time he's working in new york um he uh used to constantly uh, bump into people whenever he was on Wall Street, quite literally. Mm. 
Um, and he, he said he'd just see, you know, guys wearing $400, $500 suits. His dad was a tailor, so he always recognised the suits. And he was like, oh, you're a banker then. Mm-hmm. Just taking bumps of cocaine in the street, like just casually like yeah. waiting for the traffic lights. It was so kind of open. And he's like, Wall Street, that, that wasn't a film. That was a documentary as far as I was concerned, because yeah. I was in America, in New York in the 80s. But also one of the things that I think really important is that Wall Street's not just about drug culture. It's about Reaganomics and in our country, Britain, about Thatcherism, about monetarism, really. This idea of greed being good, um, there's no such thing as society and the individual, all those right-wing, the tropes, the things that allow people like Donald Trump to act without uh with impunity mm. and act without accountability whether that you're talking about the scores of uh sexual abuse and uh you know cases that have been put against him um or the fraud or yeah. the robbery or the theft all of the things that you know michael douglas uh falls into actually it's a fraction uh, yeah, yeah, michael yeah, douglas yeah. comes out quite a good guy in comparison to someone like trump well trump was living that life in the 80s mm-hmm. he was it was paved for the the way by the philosophies and the policies of reagan now who do those policies and philosophies benefit yeah not any of the voting base who would be going for family values or the guy in the cowboy hat yeah so this is where i find this idea interesting not only have you got the actor who's brilliantly delivering these stories and these narratives about family values yeah. not only have you got someone on the right wing who's going to serve that Republican dream of elitism and all the things that Republicans actually do when they're in power, which is serve the rich yeah. and screw the little guy. But you also have this melding of, of of these two opposite things. And I don't think you had a Republican Party who did that so brazenly before. No. I think that's no. what Reagan changed for the Republicans. Yeah. And I think that he did it through Roger Stone. Yeah. Slash Roger Stone did it through, through Reagan, you yeah. know. And that's what's kind of sad, really, because I think the ability that Reagan had, like possibly no other president, to convey very shallow messages that were going to screw over the majority of the Southern Republican base as much as anyone in the North. Um, he, he, I don't think he would have been able to do that unless he had his storytelling skills and in fact he famously says yeah um i don't think anyone could be president without an act i don't know how anyone could be president without having the act experience yeah. that i've had well, well i was said before he died yeah. sorry i think this is really interesting because talking about going back a bit to what you're saying about wall street and things like that i saw it was quite a lot in there wasn't it yeah but um i think there is an interesting thing about you know a lot of actors go into acting because, you know, you go, oh, there's something that really excites me about being, you know, a stock trader. And then you go, oh, actually, you know, the majority of it would be really boring, but I just want to have that intense moment that you see in, in Wall mm. Street or, or the boiler room or whatever you might be watching. Likewise, you know, oh, do I want to be a lawyer? No, I just want to give a really compelling closing argument. Yeah. And and so, you know, the best theatre and films uh, uh portray these things in a way that make you as an audience feel like you could do that or want to do that yeah so therefore if you are someone that is running as president portraying the idea that the president of the united states is an attainable job for you as joe blogs mm-hmm. um then you're gonna vote for that guy because you're going oh if he can be president maybe i can be president isn't that an aspirational thing manifest destiny the mm. whole thing that the country of america is based on um but also, it doesn't work unless you've got someone good to tell that story. Because yeah. you had exactly that storyline 
uh, that ran against Obama the whole time, John McCain and Joe the Plumber. Quite yeah. literally. Yeah. Oh, and Joe the Plumber said yeah. to me, but because he was incapable of yeah. holding a crowd, speaking in, you yeah. know, in a way that engaged people, McCain died, you know, yeah. quite. I mean, I say died. He didn't get trounced, but I mean, no. he, uh, he he didn't win the election. No. And, 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 and I, I think um, Obama is, is, is a, a great example of a president with very, very good performance skills. Phenomenal. He is, he is an incredible speaker. Um, and, and this is why it's interesting to say, you know, it's not purely a negative thing. I don't think it's necessarily a negative thing at all. Um, yeah. I think it's an important, probably an important skill to have as a politician. It's just how you use it ethically, which is something that I think Obama did. Um, uh, I Did I agree with everything he did? No, I, I think... He was too military interventionist for my liking, and there's other bombing things. kids with drones isn't fun. Yeah, there's there's loads of stuff that Obama did that I uh, don't agree with, but you just can tell. I we watched him on on Letterman, and the first thing I said to you was, "God, he has got such integrity as a yeah. human being." You just know he is a decent, good human being, but he is still able to use performative qualities and and acting and theatrical qualities in yeah. uh in his his presidency and and utilize that for good because he's ethically minded at the end of the day um and and, and so i don't necessarily think it's something that you know oh politicians shouldn't be performative or 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 you know i i think there are it's even a communication skill yeah. as well right I yeah. mean, I think that I often, you know, I've done a lot of sales jobs over the years mm. and you kind of go, oh, yeah, I employ people I work with. They go, oh, I like employing actors because they're really good at communicating and getting product across and selling. Yeah. And it's, you know, something dishonest about it. It's just literally I'm telling you, you know, some information. Yeah. Uh, but engaging with you on a human level. And if you can do that to hundreds or thousands or yeah. millions of people at yeah. a time, that's when you're talking political level, right? But, and also there is a unique thing about the president of the United States as a political role in the world that, that is so different from anywhere else because of how much, regardless of whether you've got a Democratic or or, or Republican president, um, regardless of what Congress is, uh, the makeup of that is, is probably, although, you know, the most powerful person in the world is what you always call the president mm-hmm. of the United States of America, they are probably the least powerful figurehead of a country of, of anywhere because because of states rights because of yeah. how much uh, uh, how much is decided legally at a state level rather than a federal level but biden talking about uh coming in in, in january was, yeah. was interesting spe- speaking to that point right yeah yeah he, you know he was talking he was he was being asked by jake tapper on cnn about how much he can do to kind of combat coronavirus and he was kind of saying well you know i i can mandate masks in like airports and train stations domestically but uh, there's very few places that I other than that it's up to the state up to the states so so really what you're talking about with the American president uh, not the film uh, is um, essentially a spokesperson for the people so they know that where the power lies is 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 how they deliver things to the American population because then you can leverage congressmen and women senators to go Mm -hmm. if you don't back this thing I want to do I have told the american people this is the right thing to do therefore they might vote you out in the next senate or congress elections Mm. so you use that positionality with 
the general public, even though you don't have a huge amount of power to instill federal laws and things like that, yeah. you do have the power to change the makeup of Congress. Um, and I think yeah. that, and the way you do that is getting the public to believe or not believe what you want them to do. So that's so, an incredible, it's an indirect power, but mm -hmm. if you have it, it's huge yeah. because you're changing the culture. Yeah. And I, that's a phrase that, you know, CM Punk has changed for me. Um, <laughs> uh, any uh, WWE fans out there. But, you know, when you change the culture, which is what Reagan did, what Obama did, what, I mean, I, I wouldn't say George Bush did that much. I would say Bill Clinton did a bit of it. Yeah. Um, uh, particularly in his first term. But, but you know, culture-changing leaders are people who can communicate at that level. Yeah. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, uh, and how that is used, integrity and power, yeah. the old adage with great power becomes comes great responsibility, and that's up to the electorate to decide. But it doesn't happen unless you can connect and engage with these people. So I think when I think of someone like George Bush, he was famous for being dumb, right? Which I yeah. think now is hilarious. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy's a genius compared to a guy who's been running the White House for the yeah. last four years. But he famously was someone you could have a beer with. Same with Reagan. And and I and I don't know if that many people would feel like they could sit down and have a beer with with Boris Johnson. Yeah. In like it's a quite an American it's specifically an American thing, right? Um I I disagree. I think I think Boris Johnson his whole political career has been surround ha, is based on that but but the, he's the so whole, posh and elite, life... he's not like a he's not like an everyday guy which no, george but, bush claimed to be and know, reagan claimed to be but yeah I, I, I remember my my uh my my mother talking about this uh, uh, last year or the year before whenever going saying being really annoyed that on the news they'll always call him boris yeah but they'll call jeremy corbyn corbyn yeah. or starmer you know but they'll always you know even they said they'd say cameron beforehand yeah. um they always say Boris, and it's that colloquialization. It's that first name terms. The friendly clown, the friendly buffoonish guy. Maybe it's not about having a pint with him, but it's about going again, representing yourself as as anti-political, as anti-establishment. Which again is ludicrous when you look at someone like Boris de Feffel Johnson. But um, you know, this is. This is an absolute elitist, an absolute um, I think that's that, nobility. But... That's interesting. And perhaps my interest in critiquing Boris Johnson has clouded that judgment slightly because I I think he, he's so, it's so documented. His calculated nature is so documented. I find it hard, but not in mainstream media, I suppose. I almost reminded of Jeremy Vine, weirdly. It's weird to be quoting Jeremy, Jeremy Vine. <laughs> um, but he he was co-hosting an event with Boris Johnson famously in a story mm. that he, he tells in the Guardian where he says, um, he, he was going to this event and Boris Johnson was the keynote speaker. And he turned up five minutes before said, where are we? What are we doing? Uh, I have, I've been delayed. I'd have no idea. And they went, you're the keynote speaker. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he went, oh, can you give me a napkin? And he wrote down the word goat, uh, joke, um, car, mm. uh, and took the napkin up as his notes and then did this whole routine. Uh, forgetting the name of the company, looked behind it to look at the signs. He didn't know where, he, and everyone was in stitches laughing at how unprepared he was. And he kind mm. of charmed his way through it. And Jeremy Vine said, oh, Boris Johnson, master of charm, right? Three months later, he's doing another event. Boris Johnson is the keynote speaker. And exactly the same thing happens. The prop 
with the napkin with the three things the exactly the same story mm-hmm. and deliberately forgot the name of the company he was working at exactly everything and jeremy vine said it was the most incredibly meticulously planned scripted act of buffoonery he's ever seen in his life yeah this was before he was running for prime minister and now he's uh, literally our prime minister yeah. so this is someone who has calculated an image of friendly buffoonery and i think actually you're right that that is a british answer to the have a beer isn't it well i think this is something really interesting when when you when you look at boris johnson when you look at donald trump when you look maybe to a slightly lesser extent at ronald reagan but i think this is somewhat true of him as well you are talking about people that actually aren't that politically aligned one way or another. They mm. they they are not dyed in the wool, married to their political beliefs or ideologies. I mean, if you look at Boris Johnson, mayor of London, compared to Boris Johnson, leader of the Brexit vote, yeah, the, those are two completely different people and where they stand. Boris positioned himself as literally the most liberal member of the Conservative parties that ever existed to, in order to win the mayor of London. And was then London is famously a left-wing city. The Green Mayor, uh, yeah. the LGBTQI+, plus, yeah. like yeah. huge yeah. kind of campaigns on those yeah. fronts, Rainbow Roads. Yeah, and, and you look at Donald Trump, one of the largest uh, donors to Hillary and Bill Clinton in yeah. the 90s uh, and, uh, and through into the early to mid-noughties. Um, um, just changing their horse basing based yeah, on the, where the, you know, which you, way the wind is blowing. You look at Reagan, who 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 was pretty quiet in terms of his political allegiances, and uh, when when he was an actor, didn't seem that much interest in it. And I'm wondering when we're talking about people that are are particularly adept at using acting uh, as as a tool in their political progression, do you need to really? not have a huge political ideology this is really interesting i i think also it's interesting on on two other levels because when you talk about bill and hillary clinton bill clinton he was someone who engaged the southern states right he used mm-hmm. to up his kentucky accent when he was campaigning down south hey, Ar- guys. oh sorry arkansas yeah yes um and and uh you know, then he would you know, famously take his sax case off. Yeah, the tr- rock and roll saxophonist Bill Clinton. Yeah, he yeah. was he, the rock the vote guy. Um, very personable. But uh, Hillary Clinton is the one we know being a, an incredibly powerful force and, and certainly the most openly powerful first lady. Yeah. However, I think that the article uh, recommended to us by you, Lara, uh, I think included um, this bit about the fact that Hillary was in a post-Reagan White House. Nancy Reagan was definitely the most influential first lady up to that point in America, right? So, but but the thing is, because of family values, it wasn't as open and presented. Nancy had a lot of policies that she would push. Eleanor Roosevelt is the only other person that would... Oh yes, Eleanor Roosevelt had a yeah, uh, yeah. actually big one for for um, uh, African Americans in terms yeah. of civil rights Hugely. pushing that, um, yeah. and also ran an orphanage I think quite mm-hmm. a while. Um, yeah, good a, a good woman, but yes, Nancy Reagan. You know the 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 war on drugs, Nancy Reagan. Yeah, the ignoring of AIDS, Nancy Reagan, and also Reaganomics huge influence on that. That was yeah. a lot to do with her. Reagan actually was very good at being the mouthpiece, but Nancy did a huge amount of that political legwork behind closed doors, um, as well as redecorating the White House about once a month. So when you have Hillary Clinton coming in uh, with Bill, 
you have her being much more open and upfront about that. But that might not have been allowed even within mm. the White House inner workings without Nancy Reagan. So again, a positive thing about that. Um, but something worth considering when you think of uh, Hillary being much more political than Bill. Yeah. Uh, and using Bill because they knew they would never elect a woman. Uh, Reagan never having political aspirations, but Nancy always being very kind of mm-hmm. pushing mm-hmm. on those things. Well, I'll get, you know, if I get Ronnie to become president, then I'll get to do stuff. Yeah. And then you also have a similar thing happening here with Boris Johnson, who is, as you say, been pretty apolitical, despite being, even being an MP for many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's changed constituencies quite a few times. Um, he's never been very good in any of the jobs he's had. Um, famously terrible foreign secretary, uh, famously terrible prime minister now. Um, <laughs> Yet uh, his uh, long-term girlfriend, Carrie Simons, is hugely influential to the point Mm. where the number 10 are slightly worried about where the power sits because Carrie Simons isn't an elected uh, official and therefore shouldn't be making decisions. However, we have, you know, uh, stories about Carrie Simons uh, giving Boris Johnson's directions of what to say whilst on Zoom during his isolation period. I mean, this is quite interesting stuff about yeah. men who are very good at telling stories and powerful women in their lives romantically uh, and, and, you know, partnered with uh, having a lot of political ideology that they're pushing forward. Mm-hmm. I had a link I hadn't really thought about before. Yeah. Maybe what you need to get ahead as a woman in politics in a sexist world is a man who can tell a story. <laughs> and maybe <laughs> yeah. that's maybe that's how, how it should go. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was also that uh, thing I was going to mention with Reagan particularly was mm. the Gorbachev line. Can you remember it? That he was, it was a line that he was practicing religiously in the car uh, yeah. um, on his way to talk to about the, the Berlin Wall. So he, I think he's going to the Berlin Wall mm. and he says the line, um, Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. But apparently he'd rehearsed for days on how to deliver this in order to get the greatest reaction um, and for it to have the power it kind of did. And it hailed him as being like tough on Russia. Yeah. Literally a few words. And, 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 and and also I think in that, in that same article talking about his um, reelection bid, um, which actually early days didn't, look that certain that he was going to get Walter Mondale who was the Democratic nominee was doing really well in the polls uh and and people worried at, at, at 73 years old that he was just that Reagan was just a bit past it um mm. and him and Mondale's first te- televised debate which again we need to talk about again the importance of TV in this mm. because it wouldn't have carried the same thing if we even over radio but um uh Reagan was asked this question about age and and he said something along the lines of, um, I couldn't possibly comment. I don't think it's particularly fair to highlight my opponent's youth or inexperience. So he yeah. turned it yeah. around and got a laugh um, and got a huge and and also they said the 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 clincher and and the reason a lot of analysts say this was the moment that he took got got the lead in the race and won the second term is because you saw Mondale laugh and it said he was laughing right. with him, not at him, and he stopped becoming a credible opponent. Yeah, because he suddenly looked like he was on side and and completely defensive. Even Mondale's, you know, but in his corner, he's that charming. Exactly, that's so the guy I want in the White House. You've screwed it there. How how do you yeah. fight against that when you've got that footage that could be replayed, that, that will be replayed? You know, and and uh, again, the importance of TV and that. As Don't well. laugh at your enemy's jokes. Remember, 
Yeah. Even if they're funny. I mean, yeah. it is. that's the thing, though. It is a funny line. It's great. Yeah. It's a great um, little line. Uh, but again, something that was written and rehearsed, right? Yeah. It's uh, It wasn't yeah. something that was off the cuff. Having said that, he was very good at off the cuff comments. And that's something that Trump thrives on. He hates anything scripted. Yeah. Um, and adores it. In, well, you, you often see him throw out the auto cue, right? Yeah. Um, and he loves just, even if it's nonsense, it doesn't make sense, disorientating people and li- making them live in his moment. Yeah. Um, and that's a great skill to have as a communicator, a great skill to have as an actor. Well, this is an interesting thing because the people we are talking about, which is slightly paradoxical, the people we are talking about here are actually the politicians that have been more famous for calling out opponents or whoever it might be for being too political and actually calling out opponents essentially for mm. acting. I mean, yeah. there was a moment in the second uh, Biden-Trump debate where Trump literally just went, look, look at him. He's, he's, he's doing the thing that politicians do. He's looking down the camera. He's being, And he called out what Biden was doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is quite dangerous. Like, this is pulling mm-hmm. back the curtain in a level that you go, well, yeah, but th- that is... we've come to accept how establishment politicians talk and, and, and use that array three skills. So, so there's... There's different kinds of acting happening. Mm-hmm. And is it actually that they're better actors because they're 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 performing the act of not liking acting in politics? Yes. <laughs> it's like it's so It's a complete meta meta political theatre. Yeah. It's um I that's a David Hay hair play I'd I'd wanna go see. <laughs> um yeah, I mean you you're absolutely right. And so not only are the rules of what we like and what we believe to be you know, good performing changing, but also, and not only their wheels within wheels within that, but then you bring in this scripted reality thing and and what Trump invented, which is fake news. Yeah. The phrase fake news has infiltrated so much of my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that can happen when I'm a, from a small town in West Oxfordshire. <laughs> yeah. And it was invented yeah. by a, a billionaire in New York, but yeah. that's how much it affects my life. The phrase fake news is everything. Yeah. If I say something that I believe to be true, that someone else doesn't think it fits their philosophy, they can just turn around and say, that's fake news. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know what to say to that. Because what that means is they go, well, wherever, wherever you're getting this information from about, you know, uh, evolutionary Darwinism, yeah, it's obviously fake news because the world was, you know, made 2,000 years ago. And how was that? 3,000 years ago. Yeah. I, like, that, that's insane to me. You can't ju- and the, the idea of a difference of opinion. I remember the famous, convers- you know, a quote. I can't remember who it was by, and I'm sorry. Um, tweet us and tell me I'm an idiot. But there's a senator who crossed the Senate floor, and I think it was in the 80s actually, um, where there was a debate happening, and, and uh, one senator said, uh, "I, well, that's all very well if you disagree with me, but I'm entitled to my opinion." Mm-hmm. And the senator replied, "Yes, you're entitled to your opinion." but you're not entitled to your own facts. Like, yeah. if what I'm saying is rooted in fact, then that should be held mm-hmm. to, with higher regard to your opinion, which is not based in facts. Yeah. So then the Republican Party, uh, through Trump, through Ronald Reagan, but also through Roger Stone, yeah. turned this whole idea of an opinion being valid. Yeah. My opinion is valid. I hear people say that in pubs now. I'm mm-hmm. like, is it? How do, how do you know it is? Because yeah. it's my opinion. I've got yeah. a right. Sorry, what right do you have? Yeah, certainly not in this country. You haven't got a right to free speech in this country. Yeah. Got a right to freedom of expression. But I mean, like, 
where is this idea that everyone's opinion is suddenly valid? I don't think it is. No. I absolutely don't think it is. I think some opinions stink and they're based on absolute rubbish. Yeah, I mean, every everyone's entitled to have an opinion. Is yeah. Saying, but yeah, but you, but but it doesn't. It. it it but you're not entitled to have your opi- having your opinion held to high regard. Regard as as someone who just happens to have more experience in the field of which you're talking. Like that's yeah. absolutely okay and fine to be the case. Like you don't. Yeah. It, but it gives power. But again, it's what I was saying earlier yeah. at the beginning of the podcast. We're in this anti-expert age, this anti-information age. Yeah. And pro-opinion. Let's not have any vaccines anymore because you know what a ridiculous thing to say to be anti-vax across the whole board that's yeah. crazy yeah be, be cynical of yeah. what they're putting in yeah. drugs and the big pharma needs huge like absolutely be as critical as you want yeah. but you can't just be anti-vax and say don't have a vaccine because then you're, you're going to be likely to die I mean that yeah. is da- literal Darwinism but yeah. again most of these people don't believe in Darwinism so like, it, you're, <laughs> you're getting into a, an age where politicians are abusing the ignorance of ignorant people and then celebrating their ignorance. So if ignorance get called, it gets called out. Well, yeah, we told you we'd, you'd do that because you, you're you're MSNBC or your yeah. your CNN, your your fake news, right? So who do you want to to get your facts from? Because if you want to get your facts facts from from Roger Stone, yeah, then all you need to do is basically turn on uh, what's it the the um something Infowars you know oh yeah yeah Alex uh, Jones great then you'll get everything Roger Stone wants to tell you yeah and and that doesn't matter who the figurehead is but it 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 worries me because it's a it's a cycle and a petri dish of the of of the celebration and the age of ignorance yeah Uh, a friend of ours Matt Grace uh, wrote a play um called whatsoever parts of the hoover for years mm. ago um and the four horsemen were having a meeting and a fifth one arrives and doesn't know why he's there and yeah. at the very end you realize that the fifth horseman is ignorance and we are yeah. in that age yeah um brilliant brilliant play but uh but it terrifies me because i yeah. think he's right and also that play predicted a scary amount of things it did yeah so i think matt yeah. grace might also be a wizard yeah i agreed <laughs> um but yeah i mean i i guess so I guess what's the answer then? I mean, the better the actor, if they're a force for good, generally, great yeah. skill. Yeah. If it's a force for bad, generally, terrible skill. Yeah. And I think, I I think there are there are more dangers than benefits from a person entering the world of politics at the level of president from a world of entertainment Mm -hmm. than if you'd had some years of public service. I mean, you know, you've got people like, well, not anymore, uh, uh, the comedian and actor Al Franken, who was uh, Mm. uh, a senator, I think, think in Minnesota, no, not Minnesota, somewhere Midwest, but uh, he was uh, kind of came out in the, in the Me Too thing. He's been a bit inappropriate and things like that came out about him. So I think he resigned. Um, but 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 he's someone that went in obviously a low level, a state level. Um, Jesse Ventura, the professional wrestler, obviously was yeah. uh, was uh, governor of Minnesota um, for for quite a while and, and was really beloved actually. And 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 uh, 
Kane. Um, Kane. Kane's a mare. Kane's a mare. Yeah, yeah. The pro wrestlers that were going it all to comes back to wrestling, guys. It's interesting. It does. It does. But um, and the French comedian who became mayor and Eddie Izzard running for London mayor. There's yeah, a crossover yeah, between yeah. Uh, Icelandic comedian as well. I think happened. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I think if you're talking, about, I think there's certainly an understanding of crossover because as well, going back and as we're wrapping up, we are kind of coming full circle to your first question which is quite nice it, uh which is you know what's the most important thing about acting and and aside the things we've already said i something that stands up to me is understanding humanity right mm. to be a great actor you need to understand humanity to be a great and more importantly good politician as in a force for good in the world uh you need to understand humanity so yeah i think there can be so many benefits for someone going from the world of acting to the world of politics but i just think you have to learn the right to you you have to work in public service at a local level at a community level where you're engaging communities otherwise what you are doing is so much easier to be corrupted by people in the background like roger stone mm -hmm. it's so much more likely that you're doing it as as posturing as as a career move like donald trump you know um, that's interesting so like maybe what makes you an effective actor is is your understanding of humanity right yeah and what makes you an effective politician is your understanding of humanity but what makes you a great actor once you've already garnered the skill is surely the choice of what you do with that like yeah what roles are you going to play what films mm -hmm. or what tv mm -hmm. shows are you going to like a novelist yeah you've got the power to write you've got this talent but are you going to change a book uh, write a book that's going to change the world for the better in some small yeah. way like maybe that's the difference between greatness and effectiveness or greatness yeah. and or just being good and so i think in that sense for me because i don't agree with his politics um because i'm not an asshole uh ronald reagan <laughs> would never be a great president yeah uh and neither a, certainly not a great actor he was ever a great actor yeah but yes yeah. but those two skills made him an effective politician mm -hmm. and an effective actor and yeah. that's something you can't deny him yeah. and many others that have gone by as well and uh i think obama again not without faults and certainly uh would have been interested to see what he did with a different congress but um yes yeah. but someone who absolutely seems to have used his communication skills learned them over time you know honed them um and yeah and, and and used them essentially for good and i think that makes him out of all the you know great men of history mm. he, he's up there yeah you know, absolutely definitely absolutely. Up there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think in terms of actually the things he's pushed through, he probably would be on a scale the most left-wing president America's actually ever had. Again, maybe F FDR, and and in terms of ideology, it would be Carter, but he actually couldn't really get that much accomplished in four years. Mm -hmm. He's accomplished much more post-presidency, but in terms of, of of Obamacare and things like that, yeah. um, he probably is the most socialist president america's ever had which is weird because he's he's a centrist um and it's a, an, an an indictment of america's fear of, of left-wing policies more than it is a a, a, a championing of obama but yeah. um uh yeah uh i think yeah I, I i think acting is a great skill for politics i think it's an important skill to learn i think in terms of oration and connecting with your audience which is so important um if you look uh, one of the best, I tell you what, one of the best performances, quote unquote, in politics 
is Nick Clegg in the 2010 general election in the UK. The yeah. Liberal Democrats at the time. You watch his debate performances. Um, you know, a leader of a centrist party managed to convince you and me to lefties to vote for him. You know, yeah. uh, and that is it. And that was down to his incredible debate performance because he remembered people's names. He directly addressed them. He looked people in the eye. He didn't talk like a politician, which is one of these things we've been talking about is important and yeah. that's still a performance and he adopted quite a lot of left-wing policies that yes. then uh, yeah. got um killed shot in the head and then put in a box and then buried at sea yeah. under the coalition but that's neither his fault really either um but yeah it's still yeah you're absolutely right i think um great great communicators need to be able to connect with their audience and not just the audience that they already have mm-hmm. the audience that doesn't know who they are yet that's what makes a star in hollywood yeah. i suppose yeah but perhaps the advent uh and importance of media be that social media be that news programs be that paparazzi be that whatever that is has unfortunately made the skill of of acting and the skill of being a personality more important than it needs to be because the thing that annoys me about politics more than anything else is that people do not look at policies people go you know I'm not going to vote for Ed Miliband because he ate a sandwich in a messy way. Yeah. Go, well, look at the things he stands for. Do you agree with those? Then vote for him. Why do you care about how he looks when he eats a sandwich? You know, nonsense like that. Yeah, yeah same with Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the, you know, same, same with Bernie Sanders. Bernie's so great when he's on uh, uh, new shows and he always goes, right, look, if I said this to you, you know, I want to do this one, do that one, do that. Would you say that's radical? No, I wouldn't. Well, that's literally all I'm asking today. Yeah. Like, so, but because the the media have portrayed him as the, the America's answer to Fidel Castro, then he gets nowhere and he doesn't get the, the you know, and, and the democratic establishment derail him at any opportunity they have. Which is also interesting because when you're in a medialist society or you're just standing on a rock shouting into the world, trying to get people to listen to you and trying to unionize, get together, have some common strength, build a democracy all you're really asking people to do is listen to you. Yeah. And if you're an actor in a theatre, once the curtain goes up, it's you and them, right? It's intimacy. If you're an actor on a film set, as we've said often before with when we've reviewed films and TV Mm -hmm. shows, film is a medium, it's a director's medium. Yeah. So whenever I see anyone on television saying something, I always look at that logo of who's, what am <laughs> yeah. I watching it on and who's paying for it? Yeah. Because it's a director's medium and yeah. you can't self-edit when you're not in charge of the show. Yeah. Roger Stone's been in charge of the show for the last four years, but also like for the whole of Reagan's tenure, for some yeah. of Nixon's tenure. Yeah. Uh, so for quite a bit. W. Bush's. Literally yeah. carried out fraud himself to get uh, George yeah. Bush, uh, George W. Bush elected the first time around. So... You know, he's been the greatest director if, you know, so understanding your medium was my analogy. Yeah. Understanding your medium is always going to be important for every leader yeah. that comes through and every actor as well. Yeah. Um, but also as consumers, maybe we want to check check who's directed this movie before we buy into it. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Well, I think that's kind of, yeah. All I've I've covered all my thoughts. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. Um, This has been fascinating. Really fascinating. It made Um, me think a lot, quite differently. Yeah. uh, Carrying it through and certainly looking at it 
change throughout history you could do you could do loads on this couldn't yeah. you yeah um absolutely. but hopefully we've scratched the surface enough uh for you there lara yeah absolutely and thank you so much for such an interesting topic and, and also allowing us to be a bit more freewheeling than we normally would be which has been really yeah fun really really fun to do um, um i'm gonna go watch the american president again now oh god i was just thinking about that yeah uh, it's been ages it's been a yeah, couple of years yeah, isn't it, it? Has, it has definitely um so yeah uh next week we will be back with uh our next uh, request which is looking at uh hp lovecraft specifically a recent podcast series it's on bbc sounds yeah um uh called red red hook stories i believe it's called uh so we'll be having a little yeah off a, a, a podcast review of a podcast i mean how is, uh, that's 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 a mess high be level stuff but uh yeah um and then of course we are into christmas week so we won't be having one that uh sunday but we are of course having our special christmas day episode that will be released 7 a.m christmas day morning uh and the votes have been in and tabulated um rudy giuliani is obviously contesting those um we're gonna have but, to uh, wait for what yeah. georgia says but <laughs> um yeah but uh it uh, it has come out as uh santa's sleigh starring professional santa's. wrestler bill goldberg yes and yes. for some bizarre reason james khan so, oh really yeah yeah caa and james khan yeah the yeah, james khan. yeah not the not james khan the dragon from dragons that Den would be more believable that would be much more believable <laughs> that james khan working with goldberg i'd yeah. understand james khan the, yeah Colleone. sunny Colleone. yeah oh. yeah uh, so yeah in, in, enjoy that when that comes out um, so yeah uh, in the meantime you know where to find us if you want to get in touch let us know your thoughts about acting and politics or of course uh, donate £5 if you can to our Patreon and let us uh, run wild on another subject and you can get in touch with us of course on Twitter at Macabre Podcaster on Facebook fb.me forward slash podcaster macabre via email podcastermacabre at gmail.com or of course, like, share, subscribe, and listen to this podcast, to our Jonathan Creek podcast, uh, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. In the meantime, I've been Callum Hughes. I've been David Shopland. See you next time. Bye. This is my United States of Whatever. And this is my